No, the sky is not falling. The Browns are one and two. The world is not ending. We all got up this morning, put our pants on, came to work, and we're getting ready. I do have pants on. (laughs) It's good. It's going to be okay. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble. This is the best podcast available. Wrapping up a week three Sunday night football loss to the Los Angeles Rams. The world is not ending. We are one and two. We are not where we want to be. Clearly, the fan base is not thinking, is thinking the same thing, that we're not where we want to be. But all is not terrible. There's some things that were good, and there are some things that this team has to tweak. Gribble, uh, takeaway on the Sunday night loss. I think it's all about what you expect from your team and what you expected going into the season. I think if I would have, if we would have said before the season, if this, what would you think is happening if this team was one and two after three games? And I would have thought, oh, the defense might be having some issues against the Rams, and might you might have blown a game late in one of these other ones. But really, I think that's been even the root of some of this extended frustration among fans is that it's what everyone was banking on being so good, which was the offense, is what's been your biggest problem. And I think that's what uh, is frustrating. And I think after a game like last night, you showed that you belong on the same field as the Rams. You showed that you put yourself in position to, to potentially win the game. Or, or when you look at the stats, you probably should have won the game, uh, even as shorthanded as you were on defense. But it was the thing that you thought all along was going to be your strength, which has ultimately been your weakness through three games. And I think that's what has people frustrated because you know, you've know you got a great, what you believe is a good quarterback, talented wide receivers, and a, a coach that really impressed people with play calling last year. And none of that's kind of presented itself through three games, and, and that's why one and two doesn't feel as good as it maybe could have felt if you were out here scoring a lot of points but also giving up a lot of points. It's strange. We've been to two games at First Energy Stadium and, and both – for the duration of most of those two games, it has felt like the fans of the stadium have just been waiting on the edge of their seats to explode. Like they they want that big play to happen offensively, and it really hasn't happened. It got a little bit closer uh, last night. The screen pass to to Nick Chubb to kind of put the Browns in the red zone got the crowd going, and then you got a pass interference call to put you on the goal line. You score a touchdown. You know that all worked out well, but it still has not been there enough. And I think that's the largest takeaway from from the offense's performance is you're getting like baby steps, but they're really hard to notice in the bigger picture because you're playing a team like the Rams, who the Browns defense did really well against and, and in limiting, but you're playing a team like the Rams who can find Cooper Cup wide open over the middle of the field for a gain of 25 or 30, and, and this offense cannot do the same thing even though it has as good as, as, as talented, if not more talented receivers. So it's frustrating for the fan, but if you look really closely, you can see small incremental steps, but it's definitely... And Freddie kind of said this today, too. It's definitely a learning process, and it's an adjustment that even though a lot of these guys were together last year, you still have to figure out what works best and what you should do in certain situations. It's a game-by-game process where you're slowly figuring out, okay, in this situation, I should run the ball. or this In this situation, we should go with a short pass or a long pass or try to take a shot or not try to take a shot. Situationally and based on your opponent, it's just something that they're slowly starting to get together. It almost hurts more than getting beat by 30. Because I disagree. Be, I, no. I, see, I do. I disagree. I, I, I Because you're right there. A, and the game was there for the taking. It, it's tough. I did see improvement and progress. But, like, in the fourth quarter when I'm packing up gear because we're getting manhandled, that that that's that is what it is. 
Yeah, and, and maybe it's because I've seen it so much in yeah. the last seven years. And and that, those kinds of losses are demoralizing, though. Th- this is something. Even though you lost by a touchdown and you had a chance to tie it at the end of the game and couldn't do it, you still have a lot of positives to take away from this. And let's face it, this is a team that won the NFC last year. Correct. That, had, that put enough up enough points and had a good enough defense to go all the way to the Super Bowl. But before they lost to the Patriots in a game that was, you know, just an excellent game plan on the part of Bill Belichick, uh, no surprise there. So this is a pretty good, I mean, if you need a litmus test, this is a pretty good one. You should be really encouraged, especially considering the fact that half of your defense was not healthy. I mean. You're missing seven starters total. You played, I'm, if yeah. I'm doing the math correct. Yeah, you played really well despite those circumstances. You just didn't come away with a win. This is about as close as I think as you can get to a moral victory. And I think it's it's, these losses are tougher in the, 24 hours afterward to stomach, but a blowout in this situation would have had us reevaluating Ooh. everything about this team going forward. Because even when you have the injuries that the Browns did, you can't go out there and get blown out. Because we saw it in New York, even though the Browns controlled that game, there were still 46 NFL players on the other side of the field, and they at least hung around and made it interesting. That's the way the NFL is designed. This is a, par- a parody driven league. You shouldn't go out there and get routinely blown out. And and that's why even the 30-point loss to the Titans was deceiving in that it was a close game until things got out of hand. But if had you gone out there and just not shown up and the Rams just took advantage of your weaknesses, then we'd be like, all right, so what is this team? Is this a team that we should even be talking about playoffs as a realistic goal? Or That's why this loss hurts because you know that this one game could mean the difference in you and making the playoffs. But now it's like – if you'd gone out there and gotten blown out, you're like, you'd be thinking, why are we be doing Jim Mora? Why are we even talking like yeah. playoffs? Like, yeah. why are we even discussing that? Yeah. Like, and, and you know. that's and to me, that's why that's why it hurts more. Yeah, to me because it was so close. It wasn't like I, I would rather have gotten blown out. Yeah. Absolutely not. After what happened in Week One, I I don't want to experience that again in 2019 if that can be avoided. Um, but I, it was one of those where. You, you come so close, and literally you lay it on line. I mean, the, that defensive line, they were sucking wind in the third quarter. I mean, whatever they could do to get those guys rest. 30-second timeouts, I saw coaches rolling bottles of water, you know, water bottles out, you know, because they weren't allowed to run out on the field because there was a review going. They were literally, like, sneaking the guys' bottles of water. <laughs> Just Not a lot of guys played able. yesterday. Yeah. Nick Chubb played all but two snaps. That's unheard of out of a running back. Are you con- are you concerned about that? No. Nah, I mean, I think it was one of those every snap mattered kind of games, and the, the, they all matter. But it was like you really didn't have yeah. every possession mattered because you were trying to slow down the game. Uh, so I think it was one of those where they were they they had a game plan to get him involved. I think Don Hilliard's still getting back from his concussion, and Dearness Johnson's your third back. But each of those guys played one snap, and they went with Nick Chubb the whole way. And I, I've I've not seen a snap count like that for a running back since I've been here, and, and that's kind of to my point about you know the offense and, and starting to slowly figure it out. Yeah, they only scored 13 points, but that's something that we were calling for in week one was why aren't you running the ball more? And even to an extent last week. So the fact that he's on the field that much and that he got the amount of carries he got, I think it was 23 for 96, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Um, you know, that's showing that they are moving in the right direction. It's just it's going to be an incremental thing. And it's not going to happen overnight. Taking a look overall, big picture. Let's get down to it. One takeaway from each of you uh, on the offense in last night's game. And in addition to that, give me your game ball. For It can be an offensive player. It can be an offensive coach, whatever the case might be. Gribble, we'll start with I you. I mean, I think my takeaway, I'll, I'll shed toward the positive because we're going to spend the rest of the week lamenting the negatives with this offense. And I, I think that 
I think they may have discovered a little something running the ball last night that they can really build on. And so that's why I think Nick Chubb just had a really good game, really solid performance uh, from a game ball perspective. And I, I think that when you look back on it, the ultimate regret is you didn't run it more in the goal line when you had a chance to to tie the game up. And I think had you run there maybe on second down, you could have either just gotten that play out of your system been like, all right, now we're keeping them off balance. Or you could have gotten to the point where maybe you score or you get to the one-yard line and that changes everything from a play-calling perspective. So that is the ultimate regret from this game. But I think in 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 the process, you found out maybe that you can really start controlling this game with with Nick Chubb, and I'm I'm expecting more of that uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. You know, not to kind of just piggyback off his takeaway, but I mean, that's going to be the basis of success for you. I think. I mean, you have a good enough running back in Nick Chubb to where you can give him the ball twenty to twenty five times a game and really establish your ground game. And, and I think they did that. You know, to a certain extent last night probably not as successful as you'd want it to be but every you know then again this is a good defense that they faced I mean we I don't think we give the Rams defense enough credit for how good they are and they are very good at making tackles in open space and clogging up running lanes and Nick still came really close to 100 yards rushing and it did give the offense some balance but then you have to also complement that with the passing game you know you have to maybe be a little less ambitious in the passing game now that's also goes back to their scheme as well you know the Rams are very good at kind of doing what they're going to show you pre-snap but doing it really well and I think that there were times there and this is without going back and watching the game again yet there were times where it seemed like the short pass was just completely taken away and it was either we're going to trust our pass rush to get there before your receivers can get open downfield and we'll take that every every time and they have the guys to do that and I think that was the biggest struggle on the offensive side of the ball but again the fact that you are recognizing that you can run the football and need to run the football, and then next time you find yourself inside the five with the game on the line, you're probably going to run the football. You know, it's going to be worth it that you took this loss this early in the season. Game balls? Anybody outside of Nick Chubb on the offensive side getting a game ball? I mean, I, I'll give one to Demetrius Harris for making a tough catch in the back of the end zone. Um, this is his first game as the number one tight end in the absence of David Njoku, who's on IR with a concussion and wrist injury. And, um, and you know, this is something that – this is why he came here, was, was to be, you know, in a larger role at tight end after spending his first four years of his career behind Travis Kelsey. And I think he did a decent job. Not an excellent job, but he made that catch, which was key. It was a tough catch to make. Did not make the one – uh, in the end zone late in the game when he was double covered kind of a tough play to make but he you know he blocked pretty well for the most part I think he had a solid game probably not one you would think I would pick but statistically nobody really jumped off the page so I'll go with him because he made a key play at a key moment Gribble anybody outside the show I mean I would think this is a, a low bar I mean not low bar but like for the interior of that offensive line to not let Aaron Donald completely take over the game I'm going to give him some credit there and I know that it's it, when you watch the tape and you see that the biggest plays that Donald made were against a pro bowl guard in Joel Batonio that's when you, res- you, re- you yeah quarter. you respect what this guy can do I wouldn't say you completely shut him down but you didn't let him wreck the game and let him take it over but he definitely had a presence there so I I give the interior of the offensive line some credit for holding their own uh, against the the best guy in the NFL, and, and you know, in the larger picture, I give them credit for not having, you know, not being much of a weakness. I think you know through three games because the, this right guard was the big concern in the offseason, right? It's a big concern in camp, and so far, Eric Cush has done his job and he's worked very well in tandem with J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio, and they've done a really good job 
Now, if they could get some stability at, at tackle, you know, health-wise, then, you know, you might see that issue start to kind of fade away and get some, you know, uh, consistency up front. Yeah, knock on glass or whatever this is. Uh, that will happen uh, this week, and Chris Hubbard hopefully will be back on Sunday. We'll get an injury update, obviously, when the team reconvenes on Wednesday. Uh, a takeaway from the defense, a very, very good defense last night on Sunday Night Football. Shook, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, hats off to the guys who, who were not playing in the weeks prior. I mean, an entirely new secondary uh, in a primetime game against a team that had an explosive offense last season and has one has had one so far this season as well. I mean, they played well above their heads, and they kept the Browns in the game from start to finish. They made plays. They got takeaways. T.J. Carey with a nice interception, uh, and then Justin Burris with a very timely interception. Probably could have taken that to the house if he had been able to, to step aside Joe Schobert there. So, you know, you could say what it could have, should have, because ultimately, ultimately it did not produce the points, but the defense did its job and held up its end of the bargain, starting with the secondary. Yeah, I'll stick with the secondary because I think this was the area that uh, when John Dorsey started, he looked at the group uh, and was basically like, I need a completely new room of guys. And that's what has been the process. And he the, he went out and got – this was a two-year, basically a project in that secondary to get you into the – you, you never anticipate having three members of your secondary, two of, two starters, going down in 10 minutes on the practice field. But you had that on top of both of your safeties getting hurt uh, in the previous two weeks, but you were still fine. Like I don't know, you, you you're in a pretty good spot where you have uh, a guy like Terrence Mitchell who was your starter last year, T.J. Carey, a four year, a five year veteran who's played in a lot of games on the other side, and then you have a guy like Eric Murray who's played a lot of football. Jermaine Whitehead's comfortable in the system. Literally, the only wild card was Justin Burris, who was a waiver claim but had experience in the defense as well, playing Back it in the, the preseason. In 48 hours. Yeah, so, I mean, that was the one wild card who really played out of his mind very well considering the circumstances. But this was why you draft Greedy Williams in the second round, even though you look at your secondary at that time and think, oh, we've got our starters back, we're okay. Like, no, you keep building because you know you – need these guys because these guys get hurt I mean it's just it's it's a natural thing in football you you are in such a good spot with your secondary that you didn't even have to play Tavier Thomas in this game he didn't didn't he didn't play a single snap even though he's one of your corners Robert Jackson didn't have to play these guys all played every snap and they played really well and to the point where it's like Denzel and Grady Williams when they come back that's great but you can go into this Ravens game saying if this happens again maybe we'd like to get one of these safeties back but it, we, we feel okay Game balls on the defensive side. This will be a little more challenging. Shook, we'll start with you. This is, you know what? I'm going to go off the beaten path here. I'm going to go with Mac Wilson in his first start. Played like a guy who you could see starting for many, many weeks to come. Uh, you know, in the absence of Christian Kirksey, he's have and to. he will be. Yeah, he will be. <laughs> yeah. In the absence of Christian Kirksey, I think he stepped up and played very well. You kind of saw the natural football player in him come out, which is why he was, you know. Rated so high coming out of Alabama, even though he slid to the fifth round and luckily landed, uh, ended up here. Uh, you know, he he just looked like a guy who had been there before, played under the lights before, and really embraced. I think the moment there were a couple times where he might have played himself a little bit out of possession, a little bit over aggressive, but for the most part, he was there to make plays. He came really close to coming up with an interception, and he was pretty reliable all night. So I'll give it to him. First time, big moment, and uh, answered the call. I'll go with Larry Ogunjobi. Continues to fly under the radar. Got his second sack of the season last night, and I thought that for the most part, outside of that opening drive of the second half, you pretty much shut down Todd Gurley in the Rams yeah. game. They, they had to become one-dimensional, and they, they were only really good passing the ball. 
As for the Rams, I don't know if they truly believe in Todd Gurley the way they used to. They don't throw him the ball. Uh, 43 yards him, rushing. I yeah, they used him sparingly. He didn't really look – he looked like a league average running back yesterday. And I think that was – that's the way they've been treating him this season. But I think the Browns had something to do with that. And the, the plays, they really didn't let him get loose. I don't think he had a run of over 10 yards in that entire game. Uh, so the credit goes to that middle of that defense, defensive line, which I think Ogunjobi's continuing to prove that he's one of the better players in that position. My game ball goes to Steve Wilkes. Yeah. What what an amazing job. I, I thought for sure with you wearing your Ohio Bobcats shirt, it was going to TJ Carey today. You're in full support oh, of, yeah, your, no. of your boy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, the job he did when you think about three of our defensive backs going down in the span of 10 minutes on Thursday, which is really the last – day that you're practicing hard right friday essentially is a glorified walkthrough there's a little bit but not anywhere close we've to had a kicker tear his acl that through. day yeah we have yeah <laughs> so we have yeah yeah correct yeah. uh but on a on a thursday to have those three guys go down and bring in guys in like burris asking the back end of your defense to to step up and essentially play maybe the best group of wide receivers or second best group of wide receivers in the National Football League and doing the job they did, uh, Wilkes think, should get a lot of credit for this last night. Think about the good fortune that had to even happen for you to get Burris. Yeah. He was on the yeah, Raiders. They had, to, they had to cut him. They had to cut him midweek for you to get him. I still don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. If, I don't even know. Were they even playing him as a, as a safety in Oakland? Because he, he, sure. he used to be a corner. I don't know if they viewed him as a corner. Yeah, he but just clearly made the transition. Clearly, to Steve Wilkes, he's a safety, and he I thought he played really well. Basically, they they went into the game plan not they're they're like we'll let, we'll give him ten yards at a time, but we're going to make them earn this, and we're going to wait for Goff to make a bad throw, and which he did, which is what they quarter. did. They, and they, tried. they, well, they did, never got beat. Yeah. They never got beat over the top, and that was that was the the plan, and they they executed it. Yeah, so good job by the defense. Special teams, not a whole lot to write about. I mean, it's a good thing. Uh, yeah, th because uh, the Scottish Hammer was under duress a couple times. <laughs> he had his first really bad punt of the season. Yeah, uh, that could. Did they score on at the after that drive? I'm trying to remember. I don't believe so. But it I was. Think that might have been an interception for us. That was the carry interception. Yeah, I think, as well. Yeah, and then it followed, and then you have a total shank that doesn't even go about what was it like eight ten ten yards net or something like, like that i mean it was it was that was bad but yeah. otherwise he was he's been solid cybert makes his field goals i mean that's that's all you need and you covered well i think the one play the one yeah. the one punt they returned they got called for a penalty so again we're not talking about special teams and that's a good thing yep amen to that yeah that punt was 21 yards it was I was from, say, it was I from, thought I had 27 in my head from Jim last night. It was, it was from the Rams 49, and it went out, well, yeah, out of bounds at the 28. <laughs> and it was one of those things where you saw the official coming up the sideline, and you're just like, stop running, yeah. stop yeah. running, stop running. Yep. Well, and you couldn't go to timeout. He just keeps they going. Wouldn't, they wouldn't signal there was a, for the media timeout. No, until because he was still running. He was still coming. <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's almost to our window. That's not a positive. Yeah, this is bad. All right, Freddie Kitchens after three games. Freddie has put a lot on himself, uh, especially last night after the game. And again, today when he met with the media, you know, that, hey, it, everything starts with me. When things go bad, it's on me. Um, he says he doesn't have too much on his plate. Um, it, just in terms of the play calling, it's got to get better. And he recognizes that. Uh, it has to get better probably sooner rather than later, though, based on who you're playing here in the next few weeks. 
Yeah. I mean, we ju- we're just talking about the same things we've been talking about. It's just you, you don't feel any sort of comfort and consistency with this offense. I think that that they had a few more spurts of good football yesterday that, that we hadn't seen in the previous weeks. So that's why I, I, I was telling Nathan before the show, it's like you started off really low and you're making these really incremental steps up. And even though you scored more points week two, I think the offense was considering the competition – uh, and considering the the plays you made, I thought the offense was a little bit better this week than it was the previous week. So you're making progress, but you've only got 16 of these games, and and the the schedule's catching up to you in a hurry. So you got to make this progress in a little bit more swift fashion. And I think yeah. that that's that's going to be the 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 point of emphasis this week. I mean, crazily, this might the this Baltimore defense might be your best shot of these first four. They've taken a little bit of a step back defensively. They're still pretty good. And so it's not going to get much easier. Uh, so you just need to build off what you're doing well. I, I can't believe if you would have told me this three years ago, I couldn't believe I'd be saying this, but this offense really, really needs Rashard Higgins back in the offense. Like as it, There's just something there that really opens things up for Baker, opens things up for everything else that you're just not well, getting without with, him. And without Najoku, you need that guy underneath. Yeah. I mean, and that's what you're missing. You're just, it's just missing right now. And I so – the play calling, I think we all agree with Freddie when he says you probably should run the ball once there on in the fourth down. I think we all agree that we didn't know what was going on in fourth and nine with with the draw play. Those are the two easy ones. Uh, but this is this is why Freddie got the job. Is this is and he he knows that players know that, and I that's why talk of anyone else calling the plays is just silly at this point. Yep, I, I think for as much as it stings right now, and it's going to sting for the rest of the week, it's going to sting until another win is recorded. I think that if we get to the end of the season, the Browns end up in the playoffs, we're going to look back in this week three and this the way this game ended as, as a, a good thing for this team. Because games like this, when you have to go immediately accept blame for making what most people would view as a poor decision or not the right call, and you have to go admit that immediately. It forces you to then examine and reevaluate what you've done at, on a micro level. What play should I have called here? What play should we have done here? Should, should these routes have run this deep? So on and so forth. And I think that as they evaluate this tape, this, their best test so far, this, the highest caliber team they've played so far, they're going to look back and say, man, we were that close. And if we had done this instead of this or called this play or run this route or maybe this personnel grouping and mixed it up or done something different or not run three guys super far down the field, but you don't need it. Uh, I think that they'll realize that, oh, this is the, these are the changes that we need to make and then we'll apply them moving forward. And, and, and I think that only really comes about if you run into some adversity like this, you have to be, sometimes you have to be forced to look yourself in the mirror and, and, and reevaluate what you're doing. And I think Freddie's got the ability and the talent he's demonstrated it before and, and the, the wherewithal intellectually to go call a good game, a really good game based on his personnel. He needs his personnel to get healthy. And I think he needs to just tailor it more to his guys. Yeah. More consistency, you know, just yeah. have the patience and know that it's going to pay off if you keep, if you keep, hammering away and doing the things that you're good at look having Odell Beckham is great but every play he doesn't need to you know go deep sometimes I mean look what's what's his touchdown this year right it was a a four yard uh skinny post I mean it was like it was down the seam was just a quick hitter and he was gone just give him the ball in space that kind of thing and I think they'll they'll adjust a little bit better with that last yeah they'll adjust that way then they kind of got away from it in the second half but I think the Rams 
You have to credit not, them. Yeah, you know, the the Rams' offense is good. The Rams' defense is a lot more than just Aaron Donald. Yeah, yeah. And I think that we should make sure that we acknowledge that as well. And again, this is a Rams team that has played together for three years now. Right. This is our third game playing together. Right. <laughs> and really, this is our thir- this is like preseason game number three. Right. Because most of them didn't play in the preseason. All right. Uh, around the AFC North, uh, the Bengals, the Steelers, zero and three. Steelers 49ers was an ugly game to say the least, but I got exciting at the that, end. That Steelers defense is still there. Yeah, the offense showed some signs of life in the second half. But well, Bengals, no, they reminded me of early Browns 2018. Yep, I saw. I you saw, force five turnovers and can't win. Yeah, I mean that's that's bad. I mean it, it's four so, and a quarter. But this the 49ers are three and zero, but they've had two games offensively where they've looked like that. Yep. Yeah, and that's they, they should feel very happy that they're three and zero. I saw a next gen stat graphic yesterday that showed Mason Rudolph only completed two passes beyond the line of scrimmage, and they both went for touchdowns. Everything else was short. So that kind of shows you that eh, they're probably trying to ease him into the uh, the action a little bit. Now that he's going to be the guy this year, and uh, and not put anything that might be too big for him on his shoulders, you know, in terms of throwing the ball downfield. The NFC West is five and one already against the AFC North, with the only Ravens Jeez. have the only win against the Cardinals, but both the the Bengals and the Steelers are now zero and two against the NFC West. And the Bengals remind me of past Browns teams. Pick a year, any year will do. Yeah, the Bengals' inability to just close out an opponent. Yeah, that's what's going on there. Yeah. I mean, between the Seattle game, between what happened yesterday with Buffalo, uh, they just they're having trouble finishing off games. You know, they play well for three and a half quarters, and or just well enough to be out in front and can't finish. Yep, it's kind uh, of a da- down to earth game for the Ravens this yeah, week. Yeah, uh, yeah, but they played pretty well though. They, sh- they represented themselves well. Very similar to what the Browns did against the Rams. They just couldn't couldn't get it done. Yeah. And we will get into more about the Ravens later this week but this is not this is not some team that I think a lot of us thought and not necessarily the people in this room but I think a lot of people the perception nationwide was this team's going to take a step back they have not taken a step back they've stayed about the same I don't know if they're any better than they were a year ago but they are they're they're still right where they need to be they're built for the future even if they took some losses on the defensive side of the ball in the offseason which we're Probably pretty well calculated. I think the one that they didn't expect was Mosley, but letting a guy like Zadarius Smith go, you know, you don't want to pay everybody because it's just not feasible long term. So you have to let some of those guys go when they come up for contracts and then and try to replace through the draft or other means. And I think they've done a decent job so far. So their defense might not be quite as good as it was last year, but it was the number one unit in the league last year. So, you know, a little bit of a drop back is still a pretty good unit. Uh, but I, I do, I will say the door is open for the Browns. I mean, right now, the Ravens are two and one. The Browns are one and two, and the Bengals and Steelers are zero and three. You go, you come back here two and a week two from today, tied with a technical tiebreaker with another matchup with the Ravens coming later in the season at home. And a lot of people are going to be smiling instead of how they're feeling right now. I've been saying it for a while, and I, I with the way the schedule shapes up, if you just get to week seven at three and four, that's the minimum. I would yeah. think you're in, you're in okay shape. Yeah, I mean just the, with the way the schedule breaks out with Correct. the travel with the opponents. I mean, I don't know what to make of Seattle Week Six. I mean, they've been all over the map these first Correct. few weeks. Uh, it, it's just this schedule is front loaded. We knew that from the beginning. I don't think we expected San Francisco to be three and zero, but I, I'm that game still doesn't worry me as much as some of the these other ones. But you know, every one of these games, if you these next few, if you can just get a couple and be in a good position after the bye week, I think you and you're trending upwards. That that's a spot you want to be in. 
All right, guys, one quick thing that each one of you are looking for as we have the player day off tomorrow, back to work on Wednesday. What does this team need to work on this week? I'll say they need to work on their health because uh, you, you don't want to have nine guys that can't play on top of two guys <laughs> you put on injured reserve. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, you had seven inactives, two guys that were placed on injured reserve, and two guys who, if you had to declare more inactives, were not playing in that. Sheldrick Redwine and Chris Smith did not play yesterday. And I don't think they could have played. Gribble walked in to deliver the inactives on the radio network, and it was like the Grim Reaper walked yeah, in. I watched it's, him type it up. It's just brutal. I he mean, said, it, this is the worst case scenario, and I just went, oh. <laughs> and, and and they oh. lost by a touchdown. Yeah. And it, a touchdown. I think, I think what made it the worst yesterday is I don't, I don't think any of us, we maybe should have been paying more attention to it, but there were so many guys who didn't practice this week that we just assumed all the other guys who were limited were going to practice this yeah. week. And I think the one that stung and twisted the knife a little bit was the Rashard Higgins one. Yep. That was the one that maybe all of us had taken for granted and just assumed he was ready to go. And then when you get that one, you're just like, ugh. I, will, I mean, I will say Damian Ratley did a good job. Yeah, he, he's done fine. Made some plays. Yeah. A couple of tough catches. It's, like, it's the throw that Baker made to Rashard Higgins on that first drive to, uh, of the season. That's what we have not been seeing. And I don't know if that's just a confidence thing with Higgins. It opens things up for everyone else. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this it, the Rams, when they lost Cooper Cup last year, different offense. Took a step back. Yeah, and, I mean, look at last night. He was the focal point of their offense. He had 11 catches for, what, 102 it's yards, amazing. two touchdowns. He tore that, what, in November? Brandon Cooks had – I mean, had, it's less than a year. They, they were never the same after he no. was gone. No. So, so Brandon Cooks had uh, eight catches for 112 yards and – Probably the quietest eight for one twelve I've ever seen in my life because we're all too concerned with Cooper Cup and his eleven catches for one hundred and two and two scores. I mean that that's a that's a game changer right there, and and he's been that for them, like you know like Gribble said since he came to the league. I mean that's what he did for them last year. So again, you lost by a touchdown yeah. to a good team. It's not the end of the world. All right, it is not the end of the world. We'll be back with you on Thursday, getting you ready for Browns Ravens Week Four, the quarter point, the first quarter point of the 2019 NFL season. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.